0: Last week, we did something a little different. We, we kind of had like an interview, and you know Dave, uh, Yodomare, Josh's dad, and I, and we were kind of explaining some thoughts and, and about where we're headed, you know, what, are we, you know, what is God saying to us, and if you weren't here, you can go to SoundCloud or you can go to um, iTunes, the podcast, and you can find it there. Um, you know, It might answer some of your questions. One of the things I came away from last week was I just felt like people are hungry. People are hungry and wanting to move forward. And and there are great questions that reflect that hunger, and uh, we're kind of trying to figure out some ways, have some thoughts about how we could answer more of those questions. So we figure that out, and we'll let you all know. Um, But, you know, I also sense, and even in my heart, there's like fear and uncertainty as we move forward, right? Like, Like, you know, it's like, okay, where is God leading us? What is he going to expect us? And you know that's a real common reaction to when God calls His people to move forward. You know, you think of Gideon when God had called him to um, to lead the Israelites against the um, the Midianites. You know, he's nervous. God, you got to do the the, the the deal with the water. You know, all this stuff. Moses, Moses was 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 pretty nervous. Um, uh, to God's leading calling out of Egypt. You know, when the spies went into the promised land, you remember, ten of them came back, said, can't do, man, it was great land, but we can't do this, you know? And they were uncertain about that. Um, Jesus' disciples, whenever Jesus had called them to do, you know, they was uncertain. like, okay, well, what next? You know, they was always, like, stunned, like, whoa, who is this guy, right? And if I was one of Jesus' disciples, that I would be very afraid when he tells me to go into a boat, because... Weird things happen when we get in boats, you know? And uh, I can imagine, like, okay, what's going to happen today? Fear and uncertainty. When we started the church, you know, there was uncertainty. You know, I was kind of like, wow, well, you know, how are we going to do this? And so often, when we follow God, it's really exciting, but it's also scary because we can't see what's up ahead. You know, we, we can't see where he's leading, and sometimes his leading doesn't even make sense. Right? In our minds, it doesn't make sense. And all we see are obstacles, and all we see are obstacles and challenges. And, and I hope, man, I hope that the time we invested in letters to KCF and letters to the church, that it would fill you with hunger and excitement for what's up ahead. And that it somehow caused you, as disciples or apprentices of Jesus... Um, to to really to consider the cost of making him the foundation in your life. That's the challenge. That's what God's leading us to, to count the cost you know, that, that Jesus is going to be the center and the foundation and my primary purpose in everything above me, above my job, above my family, above everything. And, and I believe that's what God has been stirring our hearts and exhorting us to do, is to, to step into a deeper, a deeper commitment and relationship with him. And some of you might think, well, you know, I, I'm not really there yet. And my answer to you is, just, it's fine. Just keep taking steps. It's not just, I'm all in, and right here, it's like taking a step. Okay, you know, I'm going to take another step, and another step. Jesus said in Matthew 7, and he made it pretty clear, all right? Matthew 7, verse 13, he says, You can enter the kingdom of God only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide, for the many who choose that way. Right? You want to go there? Freeway? He's saying it's a freeway. Says, but the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. You got to count the costs. He's saying, verse 21. Not everyone. And this is shocking, all right? This is going to be shocking. Jesus said this, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Obedience is so important. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name, perform many miracles in your name. We went to church. We had a small group. We even gave money on Sundays. Jesus said, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Whoa. And then in Matthew 19, 24, I'll say it again. I'll say it again. It is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus made it seem like it's impossible, that it is totally impossible to follow him. And really, on our own, on our own strength, on our own willpower, it is impossible. It is impossible. Because Jesus goes on in Matthew 18, verse 3, and he says this I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So, anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And he says, Following Jesus is all about faith. It's all about obedience. It's having this childlike faith. And you know how kids, when they're really, really little, um, you know what? They will obey their, their parents, right? They'll just obey. You know, they don't even think, right? They can be on the top of a bunk bed and say, jump, boom, they jump. Because they have faith. And they just step out in obedience. And Jesus is saying, that's the kind of faith is necessary. That's the kind of faith. That's necessary. And, and at the heart, that's what letters to KCF and KCF 2.0 is all about. It's about faith and obedience. And when we truly trust and obey God, the gates of hell cannot prevail. It cannot prevail. And that we will see God's powerful hands in people's life and we will see his hands in people's lives all over, and we will begin to impact the world. But it comes out of faith and obedience. Jesus said this in Matthew 19, verse 25. The disciples were astounded after they heard, what, the eye of a needle? Just that, that hard? And Jesus you know, said, they, they, they asked Jesus, who in the world can be saved? And Jesus looked at them intently and said, "Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, but with God, everything is possible." You see, when we have faith, when we have faith, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. And I think as we move forward, and God's word, God had a word. God has a word for us, and the word for us is that he wants to encourage us. Because so often when we're like this, and I know some of you, you're thinking when you read the book and you listen to where we're going and you're thinking, whoa. And thoughts go through our mind like, man, if, if I only had more faith or if I only had as much faith as, and we think of a name, like Billy Graham or something, you know. Or we even pray, we say, Jesus that I want to believe, I want to follow you in every way, God, and and I just don't have enough faith. Will you you give me more faith? And I think God's word to us this morning, as we count the cost of following Jesus, is this. The key isn't how much faith you have. See, So often we think it's about how much faith we have. The key is not about how much faith we have. The key is trusting God. Me, God says. The object of your faith. Doesn't matter how much faith you have. What matters is who are you putting your faith in. The object of your faith. Don't focus on how much or how little faith you have. Because that stumps us all the time. That stops us all the time. We think, I don't have enough faith. Don't focus on that. Focus on who you have your faith in. See, when we think of Abraham... And we think, man, this Abraham, he's one of those guys of great faith. The Bible even says that. You know? but, but it's interesting how Paul talks about him in Romans 4. Romans 4, verse 1. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of the, our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way, for the scriptures tell us. Abraham, what? He believed God. He believed God. And because he believed God, God counted him as righteous because of his faith. And then verse 16. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham. If we have faith like Abraham. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because why? Because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and creates new things out of nothing. It, it was the object of his faith that made all the difference in the world. You see, Romans 4, verse 20. Abraham never wavered. He never did? Well, that's what Paul said. Never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and this he brought And in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever his promise. See? Abraham wasn't a superhuman. He had much faith, but he wasn't just he wasn't a man of extraordinary. He wasn't like someone beyond any of us. He was just like you and I. He had fears. He had concerns. You know, he feared for his life. And twice, in fact, he pretended that his Wife was his sister because he didn't want to get killed, right? He didn't care what happened to her. He was like, I don't want to get killed, so tell him you're my sister. Because if they find out you're my wife, they're going to kill me to get to you, right? He did that twice, you know? Even though God had said he would be the father of a great nation, after waiting many years, what his wife and him just kind of laughed at the idea of two old folks having a kid. You know, they even agreed for him to, to have a child with a servant girl. But Abraham says, but Paul says, Abraham didn't waver in his belief and was fully persuaded of who God was. And he wasn't perfect, but he sought to trust God. And in Genesis 12, you know, I just thought about that. I thought in Genesis 12, when God told Abraham to leave his country, leave his people, go to a place, I'm going to tell you where to go, and you're going to be a father of of you're gonna be a father of a great nation, that was the first time. That was the first time that that Abraham had interacted with God. There was no Bible. There was no stories that he heard. There was this unknown God coming to him and saying these words, these extraordinary, these, these crazy words to him. And the key was. So Abraham went, as the Lord told him. Even then, meeting God for the very first time, he says, I'm going to trust in that God. And he went. And he chose to go. And he knew they were old, but he took a chance. He trusted God, and he was totally dependent, and he just tried his very, very, very best to trust God. He didn't say, no, Sarah, we need more faith. You know, we need more faith. We just got to clean the promise. I mean, no. The Bible says that he trusted in the person of God. And it is so much better to put whatever little faith you have, it's so much better to put as much, that little faith in a big God than having big faith in a little God, or just in yourself. That's what God is saying. The key isn't how much faith y'all have. It doesn't matter how much faith we have. The key is who are we putting our faith in. And, and faith is like a muscle, right, that you've got to exercise it. it gets stronger the more you exercise it. And, and, and we have to exercise, if you have this much faith, exercise that. You know, whatever faith you have, you exercise the faith that you have. James 2 says, in 14, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, Goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Got to say, faith is like a muscle. We've got to use it. You know, we can't say, well, I don't have enough faith. What, what the Bible is saying, what James is saying, whatever faith you have, exercise that. And it doesn't matter if you have a lot or little. It's who you have your faith in. right? That's all that matters. And, and when you put your faith in God and God alone, then, then you begin to see your faith grow. It's not like, oh God, I would love to do that, but I need more faith. Give me more faith, please. Give me more faith. More faith. No. It's like, God, I got this much faith. And I feel like you're calling me to something that big. So you exercise this. You say, God, whatever little faith I have, that's enough because you're a big God. And if you say go there, I'm going. And you exercise your faith. A practical, I just thought of this practical exercise, this recipe from from what God is saying to us in James. We believe who God is. We believe God is who he says he is. It starts there. Do you believe that God is who he says he is? If you do, you move on. We open our eyes and our ears to see and to hear his instructions to us from his word. When you read the word, it isn't just to get to know God. It's allowing God to speak to us, and he will. He will. And and you say, okay, God, I believe who you are. And you open your eyes and you open your ears and you open your heart and you get into the word and say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do with as little faith that I have. And then when you hear God tell you something, then you just receive his word and exercise your faith and take that step of obedience. That's what God is asking us for. He's not asking for the results, great results. He's just saying, will you just... Believe in me enough to just take that step of faith, you know? And I don't know how many times that I've taken a step of faith on just little things, and I thought God was saying, go do this, and I look, nothing really happened that I thought. And then God, I just, later on, I feel the pleasure of God. I say, Mark, thank you for being obedient. That's all I'm asking you, just to be obedient. And then every time I do that, my faith grows. When I think about finances, and and finances is an area of stress for a lot of us, right? Through the years, God is who you say you're God. You tell me to take a step of faith and do this, and my wife helps me because she says all kinds of crazy things from God, like, I think we're supposed to give X amount of money to the homeless shelter or this or this person. And I'm like, what? And we step out in faith, and we see God do what only God can do. And I tell you what, I think my faith muscle, when it comes to finances, man, it's, it's, a, it's a lot stronger than it used to be. I don't stress about finances anymore. Why? Because I say, oh, God, I need more faith. No, because you just exercise whatever faith you have. And when you see God come through, it's like, whoa. See God come through, and you exercise. And so what I wanted to do in in the next 15 minutes is I wanted us to practice that because faith without works is useless, all right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out loud Philippians chapter 1. Okay, and you can follow along in your Bible, probably it might be on the screen. And as I read, I want you to ask. We're gonna ask. We're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And that 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 He would show us something that He's calling us to do. Alright? Okay. When you sense that, it might be in Philippians 1 3. If that's it, great. And you write down, practically, I think God wants me to do this. All right? And then what we're going to do is I'm going to break you up into, you're just going to break them into little groups. And I just want you to share what you believe God is asking you to do. And then we learned in Hebrews that we need to encourage each other. So when somebody shares, we just encourage each other in that group. And then we're going to get it, we're going to end, we're just going to, Pray all together that every one of us this week our faith muscle is going to grow because we're going to whatever God told us to do today we're going to take that step that we're going to do and I believe with all my heart if you have ears to hear and eyes to see God will speak to you and he will show you something that he wants to do all right so we're going to read Philippians chapter 1 okay so father we just pray that you would speak to us holy spirit will you speak to our hearts right now right where we are, as much or as little faith that we have, that we trust in you, that you would speak to us. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. For, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you, and I long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in the knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, know that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It is true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry and others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others who do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely intending to make my change more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way, so I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But I live. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again, or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit, one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I'm still in the midst of it. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Whatever. It might be something really small. It might be something really simple. Just write it down somewhere. Just write it down. I believe God is, that's an act of faith, right? With a little, just write something. Just write something down, okay? And as you're writing it down, just, you know, just, it, it, it'll be faster if we just get into groups of like three. And some of you are the rebellious types, so you're going to say, well, three, but we're just going to have four. Okay, whatever. But start with three, okay? Just, just herd your chairs around, And just go around and just simply share. This is what I feel God's saying from Philippians 1, verse 6. Share that. The rest of you cheer that guy on and you guys share. All right? Simple as that. But part of it is stepping out in faith by sharing what you believe God has spoken to you. All right? So just gather real quick. The key isn't how much faith you have. That's what God is saying to us this morning. you remember anything, remember that. The key isn't about how much faith you have. The key is who you have your faith in, right? And, and there has never been, and there will never be anybody else like Jesus. You know, his life, his love, his teaching, his power, his sacrificial death. There will never be anyone like Jesus. And, and you'll never find a better object of your faith. You can look throughout this world, and you will never find anyone. That is better to be the object of your faith. And he is worth betting everything. Every moment. Every, every possession. Everything in your life. And if Jesus isn't the object of your faith, man, you're missing out. You're missing out. Give Jesus a shot. This week... Don't just let this exercise be like, oh, that was fun, and you leave. I mean, really, you've got the support of three or two or three other people. Now go and do and see what happens when you take the step of faith, and your muscle becomes stronger. Right? So let's pray. All right? Father, thank you that it's not about how much faith we have or we don't have. It's about who we're putting our faith in. And so we thank you that there is none better than putting our faith on the Lord Jesus. And I pray that everything that you have shared with all of us today, that we would go out and exercise our faith. And it isn't about the faith we have. It's about you, the object of our faith. And we thank you that your word says, faithful are you who calls, that you're going to make it happen. And I pray this week, as people take that step of faith, as big or as small as it is, that they would see that you made it happen. And so thank you, Father. Thank you. And help us to remember that the word for this season is worship. And we're here to worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God, bless you guys. And pray for the people in your group this week, all right, that they would go and do what they felt God calling them to do, all right?